the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2 of our daily three-hour tour. It is a delight to welcome back an old friend and, uh, boy, um, probably the single best expert in my mind on things Middle East foreign policy, Michael Rubin, Senior Fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, author of several books from Seven Pillars, What Really Causes Instability in the Middle East, to Dancing with the Devil, The Perils of Engaging Rogue Regimes, one of my favorites, Eternal Iran, Continuity in Crisis, and many, many more. Michael Rubin, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Seth. You betcha. I was just thinking between your wife's expertise and yours, we had her on Russia expert about a week or so ago. Our our country's entire intellectual defense, you know, might reside with your family, Michael. So stay well, folks. Stay well over there, please. Could be, but then if we're going to learn from that, then we just have to acknowledge whatever I say. It's my fault. <laughs> right, right, right. There's that too. Good point. Good point, Michael. Let me let me let me um, let me raise the um, raise the uh, the the. The, the the thing we're not looking at that you're particularly excellent at this the thing that 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 we should be looking at that we're not i'm always reminded of something rumsfeld wrote in his autobiography he said in his defense uh, department uh, secretary of defense hearings before foreign relations he wasn't asked a single question about afghanistan that would have been in 2001 he reported also that in 1989 during dick cheney's hearings for secdef he wasn't asked a single question about Iraq, and yet those were the two countries that defined those two tenures of those administrations. So, Iran. People aren't looking at what's going on between the United States, Russia, and Iran, and they're not looking with very clear eyes about the stability, not just of the Iranian regime, but really, frankly, the executive office and the foreign policy of this administration. You are. You have a great piece in the Hill that you wrote with Jonathan Shanzer, Biden risking new wars with Iran diplomacy, and our Middle East allies know it. You want to unfold just a little bit about what you guys are getting into, and then we'll break it down. Well, basically, Seth, I mean, one of the biggest problems we have with our foreign policy increasingly in Washington, and this is both a Democratic and a Republican disease, is that too often we want to believe our own spin. Right. So the Biden administration has decided that their new Iran nuclear deal is the, the best things to slice bread. The problem is no one outside Washington, no one outside Obama, um, sorry, Biden's small inner circle actually believes that. So we've got a situation in which um, states who have traditionally leaned upon us for their defense feel that we're betraying them. The Iranian nuclear deal gives unprecedented resources to the military machine in Iran disproportionately. And so we've got a situation that the closer we are to this renewed diplomatic deal, we might in the Washington describe it as, oh, it's a, a great deal to constrain Iran's nuclear program. Every other state in the region sees it as a green light to engage in war. The Iranians, because 
their Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps is going to get a windfall of tens of billions of dollars. The Israelis, the Saudis, the Emiratis, and other moderate Arab states, simply because they feel that they've got to act before we empower Iran's nuclear program. One of the great – I want to unfold some of that, but let me also just go through a few more uh, uh, plaintiff's charges uh, in your and Jonathan's uh, piece. Uh, one of the things you are hearing, you get this on cable almost every time as if it's an F7 macro, all these cable you know, uh, opinion or thought leaders have to say. They tend to blame Donald Trump. They don't tend. They routinely blame Donald Trump's 2018 exit from the JCPOA as the reason – for Iran becoming more revanchist and more in need of our appeasement. Can you say something about that? You kind of get into that a little bit. Well, actually, I mean, if you draw up a timeline and look at Iran's nuclear development and compare them to what is going on at the time, who is in office in the United States, what you actually see is that the Iranians were very, very cautious about what they did until they saw that President Biden had, had won election. Then they um, simply opened the floodgates to their nuclear program. Mm -hmm. At the same time, when it comes to the Iranian deals with China, the Iranian deals with Russia, what you see is that the Chinese and the Russians were waiting very carefully to see what would happen in Washington before they acted. I've actually been told by the Iraqis with regard to my own security that um, once President Biden got elected, I had got to be careful because while the Iranians had been concerned before that uh, Donald Trump could take action which they deemed irrational, for example, striking at Qasem Soleimani, the Iranian terror chief, would, would Donald Trump do that again? No one in Iraq or no one in Iran, for that matter, believed that Joe Biden was up to that. Yeah. And therefore, what the Iraqis said is all bets are off. And now we see not even malicious firing missiles at American targets in Iraq, but we see directly the Iranians firing missiles from inside Iranian territory at U.S. targets, and at best we respond by hitting a tea house in, in Syria. No great surprise here, really, when you think about it. I, I, this isn't a small point. It's, it's actually large uh, with great implications. Joe Biden was well known for being the lone or the lone top voice in the Obama administration not to take out bin Laden if, if, memory, if memory serves. You're absolutely right on that. And what Joe Biden doesn't understand uh, is basically the fundamentals of deterrence. I mean, take not only the fact that Joe Biden signaled that there wouldn't be consequences for attacking Americans, and he signaled that repeatedly. Right. All of his cheap political rhetoric of ending forever wars. Well, what he means by forever wars is our traditional deterrent. You know, our presence in Afghanistan didn't cost much more than our presence in Japan and Korea did. Are those forever wars too? Mm. Should we withdraw those forces? In the last five years, we lost fewer American servicemen in Afghanistan than we did to fatal car accidents in Bethesda, Maryland, where I live. Mm. And the fact of the matter is we had reached that balance. And Joe Biden simply pulled the carpet out from under everything. And there's also another myth operating here, Michael. Isn't there? We're talking to Michael Rubin, American Enterprise Institute. There's another myth operating here that we need some kind of JCPOA to prevent Iran from becoming a nuclear power. Now, I don't mean we need it to prevent them militarily. We could have that conversation another time. But the idea that the only thing standing between 
uh, Iran and nuclear weapons in the world of international law and relations is this JCPOA that came from Barack Obama is nothing more than legal myth. Well, exactly. It's legal myth because if you're going to say you need a piece of paper in order to prevent Iran from going nuclear, remember that the whole reason we're in this crisis with Iran, the whole reason the International Atomic Energy Agency kicked the Iranian file to the U.N. Security Council back in 2005 was because Iran was in violation of the nuclear nonproliferation treaty. That's right. They are a signatory to the nuclear nonproliferation treaty, which predates Barack Obama. Right. Yeah, okay. And, and which act, I mean, that nuclear nonproliferation treaty actually governs what Iran is allowed and not allowed to do. So whatever we're talking about with the Joint Conference Plan of Action, what it's doing is actually lessening the restrictions right. on Iran that already exist through the nuclear nonproliferation treaty. Nicely put. Nicely put. Is How much do you see the dynamic between Iran and the United States as wishing more for this agreement? Is the United States wanting this more than Iran? Is Iran wanting this more than the United States? Is it about the same? From the conventional stuff I read, and that's why I have you on to get me beyond conventional, but the conventional stuff I read, it almost appears as if the U.S. is pushing for something the Iranians aren't that much in favor of. I could be wrong. Well, that's, that's absolutely right, okay, Jeff. The okay. Americans definitely do seem to want more, and it almost appears as if the Iranians are testing us, yeah. because no matter what, and no matter how outrageous their demand may be, they're almost demanding that Special Envoy Rob Malley say no to it, and he refuses to say no to it. Um, and one of the reasons why, I mean, perhaps the Iranians aren't so desperate for a deal is even prior to reaching this final uh Joint Conference of Plan of Action version 2.0, we, even if we haven't lifted all the sanctions, we've stopped enforcing most of the sanctions. Mm. And so Iran has gone from about between 5 and $12 billion in hard currency in its reserves to more than $100 billion. And that's because we're allowing them to sell oil, whether it's legal or not. Michael, you have time for another segment, don't you? Thank you, brother. I've got to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, more from Michael Rubin, Dr. Michael Rubin, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, a prolific writer on issues in the Middle East. His most recent, uh, the one we're discussing in The Hill, thehill.com, Biden risking new wars with Iran diplomacy. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Michael Rubin. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Dr. Michael Rubin, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, is our guest today. We're talking about his most recent piece in The Hill, Biden Risking New Wars with Iran Diplomacy. As you point out, Michael, in your um, in your piece, if we go forward with this new deal that's being contemplated, among other things, it uh, it could end up uh, giving, uh, you know, hundreds – well, well over $100 billion – to the Iranian regime. Have they done anything to merit such a reward of financial windfall? No, they haven't. And if you actually look at what the Supreme Leader of Iran says, who's the ultimate authority in Iran, he makes clear that his enmity towards the United States would continue. Even if you wanted to take the Biden administration approach and say, well, this is just a first step to diplomacy, a first step to building trust, that we could actually have further diplomacy in order to uh, get Iran to promise not to um, 
uh, not to engage in regionally destabilizing behavior. The fact of the matter is, when you're giving up everything we have to bargain over, there's nothing that we're going to be able to demand from the Iranians down the line. So even if you're coming from Biden's approach, it's just bad strategy. That's a good point. Uh, Speaking of Biden's approach, say whatever you want about uh, his current, uh, you know, what what you're picking up uh, about his current uh, wit about him on the one hand, or if you prefer, uh, equally interesting to me, his record with dealing with the Middle East and Iran. Is this the right guy to be facing down the malocracy of Iran right now? Well, you know, I don't think anyone seriously believes that it's the right guy to be facing down the Iranians right now. But what's just as scary is that no one believes that those who he has closely around him, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, or Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, are the right guys either. They're completely outplayed when they're dealing with Machiavellians in in the Kremlin or with President Xi in in, um, China. Remember, these guys essentially were staffers. They were never in a position before in order to craft policy. The reason why Biden is so comfortable with them is simply because they were his yes-men. They knew not to contradict Biden, no matter what his worst instincts and impulses were. Um, I've had foreign leaders basically tell me that Secretary of State Blinken comes across as a wet noodle on the world stage, and Jake Sullivan is a bureaucrat, but a bureaucrat who's probably three or four levels above where he should be right Mm -hmm. now. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When when we signed the last one, I remember an interview. It's come back to haunt him a little bit here and there. Our Secretary of State John Kerry was making this his dream palace in the in the Obama administration. He was asked directly whether he could guarantee some of the billions that were going to Iran would not end up in terrorist hands. He said he could not make that guarantee. Here we know that of the billions, tens of billions of dollars going that would flow to Iran if we were to do a new one, the IRGC, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, would also receive maybe the the largest share of that. And I have to ask you, um, really, aside from self-interest and world interest, isn't this just upside-down logic? Isn't this just undoing everything we have been trying to do in, quote-unquote, the war on terror or at least minimizing terrorist activity? Well, well, it is, Steph. I mean, remember that the whole reason we're so worried about the Revolutionary Guard gaining a lion's share of this is ever since the end of the Iran-Iraq War, they, in order to not subordinate themselves to their own parliament, in order to not have to take political orders from anyone else, they began to invest in the civilian infrastructure inside Iran. Long story short, fast forward 40 years, and the Revolutionary Guard have a complete monopoly over manufacturing, Uh, over the oil trade, uh, and over construction. So if there's any deal, if there's lifting of sanctions, it all flows into the Revolutionary Guard coffers. That's why it's such a big deal to lift the sanctions on the Revolutionary Guard, because it basically gives a green light if not to Europe, then to China and Russia, saying, hey, you can partner with these guys. But ultimately, what I think the biggest problem is, is that Joe Biden, Anthony Blinken, Jake Sullivan are so arrogant that they believe that they have the power of persuasion, which can overcome the Ayatollah's commitment to their own ideology. Uh They fundamentally don't understand that they're facing an ideological force rather than 
just a country that's upset with us for some manufactured grievance here or there. Yeah, yeah. You have a leadership that actually believes in the, uh, shall we say, the goodness, decency, sanctity of their country and their cause against a leadership that's at best a little bit doubtful of its own cause, I have to tell you. And that always makes me nervous as well, um, Michael. But the other thing I wanted to to bring up because I, it's a pet peeve I have. You don't do it, and I'm blessedly you don't do it. Uh, it tells me you know about your broad thinking. One of the pet peeves I have when people write about Iran is they always talk about its existential threat to Israel, but it's also an existential threat to the United States of America, isn't it? Well, um, I actually wouldn't say it's an existential threat to us, Beth. I would say that. It's a strategic liability to us. The problem from the United States standpoint is that if Iran has its own nuclear deterrent, they may feel emboldened to do anything else they want in the region, um, knowing that no one could actually hold them accountable. But when it comes to Israel, uh, let me also quibble with this, because the problem isn't that Iran is suicidal. I don't think they're going to grab nuclear weapons and suddenly launch an attack on Israel. What I worry is not that they're suicidal, but that they are terminally ill. You've had over 10,000, 10,000 protests in Iran over the last two years, according to the Iran Human Rights Foundation. Um, And so you've got a situation in which the Iranian people, I mean, it's a pressure cooker there, and the Supreme Leader could die at any moment. Suppose they have nuclear weapons, the most ideologically pure, vetted group of uh, of revolutionary guardsmen, are going to have command, control, and custody of those. Well, if you have an uprising where it's clear that the regime is falling, they only have 24 hours left, what's to stop them from launching weapons then against Israel or Saudi Arabia or us, knowing that, okay, the regime's going to change, and who's really going to have a massive retaliation yeah. against the country that already has regime? Yeah. If they're going through their end times, they're going to help bring about the end times as they see it on their terms. Michael, uh, stay close because it seems like um, I mean it seems like this thing is is, is a fast hurtling train, and uh, and I I just think it's at the at the at the least well advised time, and uh, I appreciate all your expertise on it and your uh, willingness to share it with us. I really do. Hey, thank you, Chuck. Absolutely, we will be in touch again soon. Uh, it's always a funny thing about these experts. I always promise, you know, it seems we only speak to them in uh, dangerous and bad times, never about good news and good times. Uh, but if we can find them, we'll, we'll do them. As we go to break, let me put in a word for Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. Check out their fruits and veggies. It's what I take every day, pure, potent plant power. It's the only whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in there? Pure fruit and vegetable to help you maintain, protect, and, yeah, even repair your body and its health. It's been keeping me well for three years. I can do the same for you. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. There are a couple scandals brewing, and they are all smaller than the major scandal. The major scandal is so ugly, it's hard for people to really address because it's uncomfortable to address. Nonetheless, there it is. We'll have Michael Walsh on the great author, cultural commentator, and critic, 
in the next hour to talk a little bit about this. But essentially, the crisis of a commander-in-chief who is in command of very little and the chief really of nothing, including, it seems, his own administration, which puts everyone in a, in a pretty bad bind when it comes to invocations, the calls of invocations of the use of the 25th Amendment, uh, the process, the constitutional process by which uh, Joe Biden would be removed from office. You will recall how much of that discussion there was uh, during the Donald Trump presidency, including a nonstop for about a year speculation that uh, uh, Donald Trump was in his last days. The the walls were closing in. And do you remember all that phraseology about the walls closing in? Uh, there were um, anonymous op-ed writers in the New York Times claiming to be high high up officials in the Trump administration who. People should rest easy. They were actually handling things. Once they became outed, we realized not only had no one heard of them, no one had heard of the position they held. Uh, but there was all this, you know, effort to, you know, create it in the imagination the need to remove Donald Trump from office. Uh, I remember particularly Nancy Pelosi and Jerry Nadler, then I guess still the chair of House Judiciary. In every possible interview, they could. Yet they would talk about how the United States was in a constitutional crisis. You got some of that from Chuck Schumer. All of that is worse now by levels that require a new almost encyclopedia, much worse. You will not hear the Democrats talking about a constitutional crisis because it's their guy and they don't really believe in the Constitution in the first place. It's interesting. What do you do? How are we supposed to take you seriously about a crisis when you're complaining about a crisis regarding something you don't yourself believe in? Uh, but you know, any 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 port in a storm for them, and they and they and they raised that notion of Donald Trump's presidency being a daily existential constitutional crisis for Americans. Meanwhile, I think most Americans, on balance, most Americans. I don't mean most Republicans. I mean most Americans would rather. At uh, this point uh, in the world's life, Donald Trump were president and not Joe Biden or anyone but Joe Biden. Uh, of course, it raises the other delicate question of replacing Joe Biden with who? Kamala Harris. And you've heard some experts saying, well, we'd rather someone like Kamala Harris who at least knows when she's making a mistake or at least knows how to stick to a script. I don't know how, how, how right any of that is, to be honest with you. You know, the stuff she's been saying, I'm not so sure she knows how to stick to a script or, or, or talking point. I, I'm not so sure. Michael Walsh has a concept how you get could get rid of Kamala Harris and then Joe Biden. But there is this huge emer this huge national problem that we have with a president who's not in control and is causing as many crises um, as well. No, let me rephrase that is right now seems to be in the profession of causing crises, causing crises. I don't know any he's made better. He seems to be making a lot of them worse when we're dealing with countries of nuclear and chemical warfare capability. Yeah. It's not a constitutional crisis. It's an existential crisis, and we better get comfortable talking about it. And the media better start doing their job, because if they don't, you know, well, I can't even contemplate what the consequences could be. But, you know, I don't have to. 
because they said all of that, what those consequences could be under the last administration. Just dust that off a little bit. Now apply it to this one, which is much worse. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Sonny Curtis, we learned a few things about him yesterday. We knew he did this. We knew he was a guitarist for Buddy Holly and the Crickets. I guess we didn't realize there was a song we played yesterday uh, for the Airly Brothers that he wrote, uh, Walk On Back. Uh, and he also wrote, I think he wrote, I uh, Fought the Law and the Law One, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty prolific, that uh that's Sonny Curtis. I was talking about the crises uh, and the big crisis uh, being a, a president that uh, is not in control of himself, his faculties, his administration in the middle of many foreign crises that are boiling up and boiling over. And it may explain why there are so many other crises as well. If you listen to or watch political ads, you'll see from the Republicans at least – uh, many, if not most of them, talk about – if not all of them, talk about uh, the crisis at the border and wanting to solve it. You might forgive non-Republicans or non-listeners to talk radio. Uh, you might forgive them for not realizing that there is a border crisis. Uh, the mainstream media has just you know, picked up and moved on from that story a long time ago. If Donald Trump wasn't putting kids in cages, there's nothing to report here including Joe Biden doing the same thing. Um, but Fox does occasionally, Fox News does occasionally cover it. And I just thought it would be good and serve as a reminder, this issue did not go away. The crisis industrial complex, I'm going to bring that up, I think, with Michael Walsh a little bit. But the crisis industrial complex does not um, does does not exist on the fact that we go from crisis to crisis after we solve the previous one. It's crisis to crisis without solving the last one. It's just about where the patience of the American people are, the patience of the American people for understanding, absorbing uh, and living in panic over that crisis. They just pick up and move on to the next one, which much, much after we become numbed or inured to what they're throwing in our faces. But quite honestly – uh, I, w I would like to see um, the media covering the border the way Fox does occasionally. You would be excused for not knowing that much about it. Here's a little update from the latest Fox uh, from the latest Fox installment. Sector where Eagle passes, they have been getting absolutely inundated with migrants. Just this past weekend alone, more than 2,500 apprehensions. The Border Patrol facilities are now way over capacity, and the federal government has started mass releasing migrants into communities to help ease some of that pressure. Take a look at this drone video shot yesterday right here in Eagle Pass, Texas. What you're looking at are dozens of illegal immigrants just coming across the Rio Grande and entering into Eagle Pass illegally. Some of them just wading across the river, others using a boat uh, or a raft. But this is the sort of thing that happens multiple times a day, day in and day out here in Eagle Pass as bigger groups are starting to be encountered. Speaking of which, take a look at this photo right here. This was a massive single group that was encountered by border agents on Sunday. It was a group of 187 migrants, all from Nicaragua or Cuba. And Border Patrol reports they've been encountering these massive single groups 
every single day out here, essentially, in the Eagle Pass area. And that's putting some serious strain on their resources and their holding capacity. Uh, and because of that, the federal government now mass releasing migrants. Take a look at this video right here. Uh, this is video from Representative Tony Gonzalez's office yesterday showing 300 illegal immigrants being mass released by the federal government at an NGO here in Eagle Pass. This NGO is taking in several hundred migrants every single day after they're released by the feds. Again, they're running out of capacity here in Del Rio sector, and they've been dumping these migrants in local communities, small towns like Uvalde, Carrizo Springs, Del Rio, Eagle Pass. And we caught up with the mayor of Uvalde yesterday, and he is not happy about what's going on. Take a listen. We're not equipped to handle these people. I, I get paid 50 bucks a month to be mayor. The last thing I would need to be handling is an immigration issue that the federal government should be handling instead of dumping it on communities like ours. And just a short time ago, the chief of U.S. Border Patrol, Raul Ortiz, said that in the next two to three days, he anticipates we're going to hit one million border encounters at our southern border uh, just since October 1st. To put that in perspective for you, that is one million people in just about six months, and that does not count the more than 220,000 known gotaways. Think about Here that the- for a moment. 220,000 getaways that we can't find that we can't account for that we can't follow do you notice where the immigrants are coming from it's not mexico it's nicaragua under a communist regime it's cuba under a communist regime yesterday one of our listeners uh, asked brandon weikert what the potential was of you know other regimes namely russia perhaps through its gru uh, its its uh, security uh, apparatus Uh, flowing through to the southern border to come in. Uh, We have had that with uh, Middle Easterners who come through. There were direct flights from Iran to Venezuela. That should be contemplated as to why that direct flight is necessary. And we have arrested or at least encountered people from those countries uh, for the past several years at our border. I've been to the border several times. And what uh, the Fox News reporter is showing in Eagle Pass, Texas, I have seen at our Yuma sector. People who have not been there, you don't have to go there. Um, I don't I don't think you have to go there and I don't think it would be particularly helpful for everyone to overwhelm it. But for those who haven't been there, let me tell you what you're seeing in those Fox reports is almost virtually the same thing you'll see at the Yuma sector. You can easily wade across. The board, you could swim it. If you can't, if, if you're afraid of walking on, 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 on a ground you can't see because of the water that comes up to you, roughly your waist, your chest maybe at the worst point, uh, you could swim it in about, mm, without being Leah Thomas, you could do it in about a minute and a half, maybe two minutes. Really, you could. It's just, it's not the size of, it, the length, excuse me, the width of that border is not the size of a length of, 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 of an Olympic pool even. Not even, not even most most home pools. It's amazingly easy. Resources are lacking. Uh, interest and energy and initiative is lacking. This is not about something we can't solve. It's about something we won't that we refuse to solve. This is not about a, ability. It is about intent and the excuse that Joe Biden has yet to visit the border, or Kamala Harris, under whose profile 
this job was given has yet to use the border. Well, the excuse you may recall was she didn't need to see it and she hasn't been to Europe. Why did she go to Europe at all then? If 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 not, she has now been to Europe, what, two or three times since the uh, Russia invasion of Ukraine, at least two. If you don't need to go there to the border to see and solve the problem, why do you need to go to Europe to see and solve the problem? But since she has and shown us that, you know, it's the physical presence that matters, you know, maybe those of you with emails who have interest can start emailing the White House or your local press to ask them to ask Kamala Harris since she now realizes visiting the place helps you address the concern, you know, we'll uh, we'll be very polite to her here or in Texas or wherever she wants to go. We will. But they need to see it and they need to deal with it because if they don't, we're going to be dealing with the consequences for a very long time. Consequences we will not be happy we have to deal with. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Pete's in Phoenix. Hello, Pete. Hello, Seth. Uh, I'd appreciate your opinion about the Gitmo experience of the Supreme Court nominee. Yeah. I'm very surprised that it's not a really big deal, a really be. major uh, source of discussion. And I'm, I'm curious about why why more people are not upset about it. Is it, is it just that you know, they put it behind them yeah. or they think it doesn't matter or their lawyers or... Oh, my gosh, Pete, it's such a good question, and it's so pregnant with with answers. First of all, yeah, I think you put your finger on it. I think there is a general exhaustion. I think, first of all, I don't think most people realized we still had detainees at Guantanamo Bay. I think, first and foremost, most people didn't realize it, and it's hard to wrap maybe their heads around something they hadn't thought about uh, in, in, in many years. That's one. Two, victims of our own success. In part, um, I think that there have been no um, no 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 major discussions uh, about uh, terrorism because no major acts against uh, the United States, uh, aside from uh, what the Iranians tried to do in Erbil. Uh, terrorism right now, there's an uptick in Israel, not so much here. I don't know. Did you see this? Three days in a row in Israel. This could be a third intifada we're beginning to see. Um, and, and that's something we're going to have to pay attention to as well. I need to get a guest on that. I think that's one. And then um, you saw, I think, probably the best questioning on it uh, w- was from Ted Cruz. And he tried to uh, tried to make the point that this nominee had done a lot of pro bono work for Guantanamo detainees, no pro bono work for victims of terror. Which is part and parcel of the constitution of this low C constitution, constitutional makeup of Kintanji Brown Jackson. Think about where she put her emphasis when it came to sentencing uh, predators uh, of children. Uh, Easy on them. Not much to say to the victims. That was brought out a bunch by Joss Hawley. They're considered the yahoos by the major media. And then there's this uncomfortable thing. Too much focus on Guantanamo might just yield the news story that really needs to be yielded. But do you realize that four Guantanamo Bay detainees who Barack Obama swapped out of Guantanamo for Bo Bergdahl, its own scandal, 
are now at the top of the Afghan government Joe Biden handed to the Taliban. Are people aware of that? Are they aware of that? Barack Obama freedom. Joe Biden put him in charge of the Taliban government by dint of how we exited and allowed them to take over. Malfeasance doesn't begin to describe what's taking place there. But Pete, you're right, and I'm glad that you brought it up. More attention needs to be paid to this. I'm Seth Leibson. Michael Walsh coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.